0: Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of Quarren Stream, yet another Sinistab podcast. My name is Jared Kingery.
1: I'm Cody Viafania.
0: Hey Cody, uh, our guest this week is another one of your uh, co-host pals, or uh, you know, another another fellow podcast co-host.
1: Yeah, I'm third banana on that on third, that show. So yeah,
0: I, I believe I've uh, <laughs> I saw the video of you, and it's just your head on on Bruce uh, Bruce uh, uh, Burt Reynolds' body. Yes. Um, it's Eddie Pence, comedian Eddie Pence. Welcome, Eddie. Hey, how's it going? Good. It's uh, nice to finally talk to you. I've heard a lot about you, and I heard uh, yes. I heard y'all gave me the raspberries on. Uh, yeah, yeah, on, yeah. We were debating
2: your
1: whereabouts.
0: For having the same name as a uh, uh, <laughs> a notorious
1: pedophile <laughs> I well, I mean, let's not discount his early work, which was a lot better. No, no. than his later years very he was a very inspiring figure for a long time.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah I mean he for a, for, for a while he he was he was on top of the world there and Yes. I, I think they
2: uh, had the they, easiest job, I think, in the world. I mean, I you think... just walk and eat subway.
1: And then hold up your fat pants and, yeah. and, and smile at people.
0: Have you ever heard uh, uh, Joe DeRosa has a great joke about Jared from Subway? No. Is that because uh, he looks like him? <laughs> he does look like him. A little bit. But he talks about how like uh, like if he were more famous, he could have gotten away with it, like Michael Jackson got away with it. <laughs> but he said that, that Jared got shot down real quick because he thought he was way more famous than he was. <laughs> <laughs> That was that there's elite a,
2: liberal a, pedophile ring keeping him in check. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> man. There's a great if you have time. Uh, Tom Segura was on, I think Colbert, and he was talking about how there was a there was an entire subway campaign that got canceled. Oh yeah, he but was it, like the anti Jared. Well, he was he played Jared's brother. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I've never
0: heard that. Before. Oh,
1: dude, you got to check out the video. So Tom Segura was cast as Jared's brother and did like a whole series of commercials. Uh, and, and it's, it's a really funny bit. Uh, and, and it's like a real thing that happened and, and, and thankfully they got canceled, but it's, it's, uh, it was quite funny. So was that,
0: that was, was that like set to go during the. The like when it all fell apart, or, or did they actually air?
2: I think no, they they I think they shot them and then they they canned it before the even the, the bad stuff came out. Yeah, like they, that, they that's just fine. realized it was a terrible idea <laughs> from the get go.
0: <laughs> well, uh, uh, Eddie, so, um, tell us a little bit about yourself for the listeners who don't know you. Um,
2: I'm a comedian and I guess I'm a podcaster now because that's a job. Uh, <laughs> so I do that. Uh, I do, uh, several podcasts i do the one that cody is on uh the ramble with uh comedian jerry Rosha. i think he was on your guys show pre- prior to me
0: he was the first um, guest yes first
2: guest on Cornstream. stream uh we do that one every week uh and then we have two ramble radio video shows i know it makes no sense but we have that on youtube <laughs> that's tuesdays and fridays and then i do a daily podcast on patreon.com uh, called the Ralph Report with Ralph Garman. Uh, he's uh, better known oh, yes. for doing uh, the Kevin Smith podcast, Hollywood mm-hmm. Babylon. Uh, so I'm his co-host on that
1: show five days a week. And how does how what's the show. grind like but, on
0: a daily podcast?
1: Well, he's on two of them, right? Well, or because uh, you're, I'm on two. I'm actually
2: on two right now. I'm on a Radio. dot com one that's furloughed currently, but so we do two a week. But we were doing five a week in studio five, and that was a three hour show. So I was doing Goodness. one daily podcast was three hours and I was doing another daily podcast that was one hour so i was at one point i was if you had the <laughs> ramble to it I was doing about twenty three hours of podcasting a week
0: Wow that and is it was, um
2: it's taxing it's
0: yeah taxing. <laughs> yeah we uh, do thir- we do three um between Cody and I for this and it's uh it's a little hard to keep track of sometimes
2: yeah it's uh, yeah you i and of course stories always get recycled and I'll be talking about the same topic on all three shows. And I'm just, I have to act like I have to bring something new to it every time because I do have some crossover listeners. So it's, it's, it can be a little, <laughs> it can burn you up pretty quick.
1: Do, do you, do you feel like that flexes a different muscle than it does doing stand up? Cause obviously stand up you have that, you know, immediate audience reaction to know whether or not something's working. But if you're doing a show like that, you have your, the people that you're around, but you may not necessarily get, the same kind of feedback is it a different thing altogether do you it find is
2: different it's different because people have asked me like why I don't have my own podcast why I just sit on and like I co-host with other people it's like to me that's where I, I kind of get my own thing when I do stand up like that's my that's me going hey look at me that's it's my spotlight time but when I'm doing a podcast and I don't have that audience there it's fun to have one or two co-hosts so like you can always tell like when we're doing the ramble, me, you, and Jerry, and we're just like cracking each other up, and it doesn't mm-hmm. even matter. It's probably not funny to most of the people listening, <laughs> but we're dying laughing, and like yeah. to me, that's that's different than stand up, and that's why I like doing that, and I like doing podcasts with people I enjoy talking to because it doesn't feel like work, and I and, and that makes it me able to do twenty three hours of it a week because it's just like shooting the shit with your friends.
0: So uh, um. Do you think uh, with this whole quarantine thing that I feel like there's been a disconnect between uh, stand up uh, and podcasting in a lot of people's minds? Yes. You know, they kind of see it as two different things. Do you think that line is going away now with I think everybody so. I kind mean, of doing it?
2: I mean, everybody. I mean, they're doing a lot of these virtual stand up shows now, and I have one coming up soon. And it's I I've yet to perform stand up comedy in the virtual realm. And I don't know how it's going to go because to me, my favorite part of stand up comedy is the live interaction. It is being there with an audience and taking those chances and getting that immediate feedback and then making that connection with people in the audience and every show is different because every audience is different. So I I don't know how that transfers to podcasting or the virtual stand up realm that I think is starting to break out now. But um because podcasting to me is just like it's people talking and hanging out and then you have an audience that is sort of listening in on a conversation that they feel that they they're kind of a part of whereas stand up it's more of a show and you're just sort of just entertaining people whereas podcasting it feels like there's a conversation being had i don't know if that makes any sense
1: so when it comes to prepping for something like a virtual stand up show cuz i think that's so one thing that i was thinking just independently is that you know people like musicians, for example, might have their their craft a little bit easier now because they can write and record and put it out and do yeah. virtual shows. But comedians have, have a are at a disadvantage where uh, it feels like, first and foremost, they can't perform in the setting that they're used to and they've always been used to. But also, if you're even writing, for example, how are you going to test that material yeah, out and exactly. do anything with it?
2: Well, like, make stand-up comedy is the one – art for the one performance art where your practice is your performance like Mm -hmm. you don't like musicians and actors and dancers you practice and practice before you let anybody see it you rehearse and rehearse like comedy you don't know if it's good until it's until you're performing it and it's like that one performance art where you your practice is your performance and vice versa and so i don't know how it's going to go as far as writing because it usually takes several you know trips up on stage flushing out an idea and finding finding your way around the punchline through the premise and then you know figuring out a way to tag it and 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 weave that into other bits and without being able to do that in a club in front of an audience over several weeks or months to really hone and craft the joke i don't know how you do it in the virtual realm i don't know how you do enough of those shows where you can really figure out if this is funny or are the people watching sort of just awkwardly laughing because uh, this is we're all in an awkward position right now where we're just all FaceTiming each other? It's very it's weird. I don't know. Comedy stand up comedy won't survive if we can't get back into clubs. It just it's, it's right. It's it's the it's that one art form that needs an audience.
0: Do you think, uh, um, you know, you've already been doing um as you mentioned, 20 at some point, like 23 hours of podcasting a week. Do you think (laughs) do you think um, do you think that'll that'll change for you going forward? Do you think that that maybe if um, if it takes a while to get back or if you've you've gotten a little more comfortable performing in a virtual space that you might um, ramp that up in some way? Or or would you just rather go back to the way it was to begin with?
2: Well, I was sort of like this was. I was sort of making this adjustment anyway over the last year and a half because podcasting got to the point where it was paying my bills, whereas stand-up was harder to make money at doing because of the travel that's required, whereas podcasting, I just, I can stay in Los Angeles and make more money than if I'm traveling all over the country. So I was sort of like, that's why I, I took on, I would just take on more and more podcasting gigs because they were, I could figure out ways to make it work. Whereas stand-up comedy, and especially the way comedy has evolved with podcasting, most audiences are grown now through podcasts, and then those audiences are the ones that come out and see you when you perform. I mean, the old way of building an audience was, as a comedian, you'd have to go from town to town, from club to club, slowly yeah. build that audience, repeat, do well there, go back there three or four times, become the headliner at that club. And you have to do that all over the country to finally build that audience where you where you can go wherever you want and call your shots, but that's not the way it's done anymore. Now it's basically your audiences are grown through podcasting because you can get a worldwide audience by sitting in your apartment. You know, with, you,
0: go ahead. Sorry, I, I mean, how long? How long? Uh, um, how deep into your career were you in stand up before you got into podcasting?
2: Uh, probably like I was like fifteen or sixteen years in. I, like I've been doing comedy now twenty. Mm, Twenty-two years. Um, yeah, man, I didn't start. I think my first podcast I did was like a pro wrestling podcast back in like 2013, <laughs> and that was my first like you know my first toe in the water of podcast, and it was okay. It was fun. It was me and uh, two other people, two other comics, and we did that for like a year and a half, and then it kind of didn't. Your audience only grows so much, especially in a wrestling podcast, unless you actually have wrestling wrestlers come on and be guests right. and we just didn't have that so it, it just sort of feels like you know you had the same 50 people downloading your podcast every week
1: <laughs> yeah we don't know anything about that right <laughs> <laughs> so you, you get you get
2: stuck in that bubble and you're like okay how can i expand out of this and it just got to the point of like you know we're, we, we weren't growing anymore so we just stopped doing it and then uh ralph garman hit me up a couple years ago to co-host his daily podcast on patreon after he had gotten uh unceremoniously dumped from k-rock um, yeah. and I jumped at the chance to work with him cause he's like a legend in broadcasting and I've learned a lot from him. And then right on the same time I jumped on with Jerry to do the Ramble. And a few months later, this, uh, swings and misses show I do on radio.com caught on. And then my friends brought me into that one. And that's how I, it seemed like I went from zero work. And then in like two and a half years I went to like, you know, 24 hours of podcast in a week or 23 hours of podcast a week. So it just, it's weird how it just. I, I didn't plan it to happen it just sort of organically happened
0: it's interesting to me how um in the quarantine era that we're in now how uh easily accepted the more lo-fi approach is yeah um because you know everyone's using zoom now we're actually we're using a different platform for me all cody and i have been uh separate recording this stuff for five years now since yeah. i moved um but the idea that, that everyone is just throwing out Zoom and, and getting the audio up there or, or rudimentary video and people are consuming it at, you know, I assume uh, a higher level than they were before. It seems like uh, like it's really been equalized to the point where, you know, it, it becomes acceptable to like, here's how we're going to see these, these entertainers. I mean, shit, this is, we're recording this on a, a Thursday night and they just aired a Parks and Rec uh, reunion special right shot through th- shot through zoom. So it's yeah, not yeah. like it's, and know, that it's was not like that
2: was scripted too.
0: <laughs> yeah. It's not like it's, um, uh, you know, it, it, the uh, bar for entry has been lowered quite a bit for this stuff. And I, I wonder if that'll continue, if it'll just kind of be a, you know, Hey, you know, I got this comedian friend or, or this actor friend or, or whoever, and they want to call in, but they don't have a, a nice line, you know, a nice clean audio feed to talk to us on the podcast. It, you know, shit who cares now i mean
2: it might i mean like conan o'brien sort of cut his his night show down to half an hour and then started like putting a lot into just doing his podcast the conan o'brien podcast i mean it looks like it's going that way because that's people consume their media so differently now you don't everyone doesn't tune in monday through friday at 8 p.m to watch media they're consuming it when they're driving their car when they're waiting in line when they're in when they're making their coffee in the morning it's like people pick and choose their their shows to listen to and the more convenient and the easier and the more accessible and the more the the more relevant new it comes out the more it's taken in it's the production value seems to really have fallen away it's not so much yeah how many bells and whistles you can throw on it anymore it's like oh i want this content now give it to me because if you don't give it to me i'll just move to something else that's putting it out (laughs) Well,
0: yeah, in my real life, uh, I I work in TV news and that's been something we've had to adapt to, Uh, you know, and it's a lot of FaceTime video that that gets put on the stuff that you wouldn't put on TV, you know, six months ago. Now it's just how everything's done. So no one and no one seems to care. And it's so easy to do now. You know, you could just, hey, stick your phone up in your face and, and talk to me for five minutes and then we got an interview done.
2: Yeah, I mean, you're watching Colbert and Jimmy Fallon doing shows from their living rooms, and then, yeah. you know, the, you know, there's not a crew there. That's just them with the camera set up, and their kids are running around in the background. It's like that's just it doesn't matter anymore. I think how it comes is just as, long as you're putting stuff out so for people to consume.
1: Yeah, I, I, I kind of just to bring it back to stand up for us for a minute because I, I, I find so when we had Jerry on, he had a really interesting perspective about. Um, about being a comedian that that you know plays in clubs and in tours in clubs and, and and sort of the idea of you know what's going to happen when everything goes back to quote unquote normal and are people going to want to go to large venues and gather and and, and are are they going to be hesitant about it and Jerry had the interesting perspective of kind of wondering if you know big arena or big theater cl- uh, comedians would start playing clubs to keep the crowd smaller and then kind of wondering what that does to club comics, if that pushes them out or, or if there's any, uh, you know, issues with that. And I'm just kind of curious to know how you feel this time and, and, and whatever the ramifications of this time are, what, what, what that might impact to stand up or stand up, uh, you know, as you, as you partake in it, do you, do you foresee any, any changes or adjustments or anything that you are kind of unsure about or concerned about? Um,
2: I could see that. The ripples of this, I don't know what how they're going to affect everything, but it will. I mean, if you take just like the writer strike we had several years ago affected comics on the road because a lot of those comedians were writers on TV shows and now they were out of work because they were striking. So they went back out to the clubs to make a living mm-hmm. and that knocks down and that knocks the hierarchy down of now those are comics with writing credits and TV credits And there's no more TV shows, so now they're in the comedy clubs because they have the name. And then the club comics that were just touring because that's all they are is club comics, they get knocked down again because you have this whole other wave of comics with credits coming in that usually weren't taking club spots because they were busy working full-time writing or acting gigs. Mm Mm-hmm. So I hadn't thought about it that way. Yeah, it's it's we've kind of seen this before with that. Now you're just going to have these bigger comics that fill theaters are now going to do clubs. So, of course, that will knock the club comics out. But you had this before with the writer strike and the actor strike uh, from years ago where it did the exact same thing to the, those club comics. And it just makes it harder to get work.
0: So how often how often uh, before this were you were you doing stand up out there in L.A.?
2: Um, I was I pulled myself off the road a little bit just because I I have a kid and I kind of want to be around with him I was touring quite a bit before I had the kid back in like he was born in 2009 so I was doing the road a lot up until then and then I kind of pulled back my wife was in real estate so she was making money so we weren't solely supported by uh, a terrible stand-up career (laughs) (laughs) that barely paid the bills anyway but I was able to pull back and become more of a parent and I would do you know i'd go out like once a month twice a month if i if i you know if, you know just to get out of the house and get make a little bit of extra money but i wasn't i haven't been supporting myself just solely on the road in a, in a while so it hasn't been a huge transition for me the way you know like jerry was a working comedian because that's all he was doing was cl- a lot of club stuff so this is hitting him a little bit harder than me where my life was transitioning out of club work Into trying to work in Los Angeles a little bit more with the podcasting and the radio show and stuff like that, so it hasn't affected me the way it's affected most other comics that were working a lot on the road. But I've been able to, because I've been able to sort of manipulate my way into another revenue stream with podcasting.
0: Okay, well, you want to you want to go ahead and transition now, Cody, to uh, to the whole meat of the
1: show. Or oh, we got something. I just no, I just wanted to ask one one more question, um, which was because I know that you have a, a a special. Uh, that's that's done and um, I was just kind of curious to, for, for our listeners who may not know kind of because you had a, a great process of a, a lot of fan support um, in, in in getting attention on the special that you crowdfunded and yep. I kind of wanted to hear a little bit more about the story of, of how that special came about and and whether or not quarantine has affected the the release of that and and, and all of that
2: um, yeah I, well I about a year ago actually a year ago on the April 19th was well, I shot it a year ago April 19th. Um, I had gotten a pretty uh, decent-sized group of people following me due to the Ralph report, the Ralph Garmin show, because he has a very large, rabid fan base he calls the Garmy. Uh, A lot of them are Kevin Smith (laughs) fans, and they followed Ralph. And then just me being associated with Ralph, it's almost like, oh, I'm two degrees away from Kevin Smith. So a lot of those people assume that, like, you know, followed him, then they followed me. So I was able to get quite a bit of people supporting me and i was like well i've never had this kind of support before so let me see if i can crowdsource a comedy special because i've always wanted to shoot one so i put up an indiegogo campaign i was able to raise 15 grand in like a week in like uh, four or five weeks um and then i went back to dc and we shot it my hometown of dc and uh i edited and since there was no money i didn't put any money into it it was all crowdsourced and we spent a lot of money flying the crew there and shooting it. So it took about six months of post-production to get everything right. And uh, we signed a deal with Comedy Dynamics back in November. And it's just taken a while to get everything tweaked to their specifications. And we were going to try to get it released in May or June. But I believe, to answer Cody's question about the, the quarantine and how that's affected things, it's sort of log-jammed Comedy Dynamics up a little bit to the point where <laughs> like they were already packed because they had so much stuff they already... I guess they're trying to release out in, during this quarantine to sort of satiate the need, the appetite for new content that someone like me, a little bit lower down the totem pole, I'm getting pushed back to August or September. Where is, stuff is, that they were probably going to roll out a little bit slower, they're, they've sort of streamlined to get into uh, the different markets as quickly as possible over the next few months.
0: So I know, um, you know, listening to a lot of comedy podcasts in my life, I know that when it comes to the special recording, you know, you have that, that material, uh, you kind of burn most of it af- after the special, right? Yeah. Um, but have you been, since there's been such a, a, a long lag time, have you been able to keep performing that or do you had you already um, moved on from it?
2: No, like I was in the process of trying to write a new hour uh, over the last six or eight months um, and then uh, this thing hit. You know, two months ago, and I haven't been on stage since the end of February, so I haven't Mm -hmm. been able to generate. I usually my writing process is I usually take ideas up on stage and work them out as I'm performing them. So it takes me a little bit longer to write material. I'm not really like a sit in my notebook, comic, write out a set and then go up and perform it. It takes a lot for me to develop a premise, take it up there, find a way to end the joke, and it, it, it takes usually. Several performances to get that material whittled down to the way I like it. So it's been—I haven't had any new jokes written in the last two or three months. So it's kind of—it's uh, kind of hampered that part for me for, for stand-up for it, sure. Just trying to create and generate new material.
0: Is that the longest break you've had when you wanted to generate new material and you? Yeah, haven't I mean to- it's the
2: longest break I've ever had in 22 years of being a comedian. I think the longest time I was ever not on stage was maybe two weeks. Wow so it's definitely definitely withdrawal and i'm it's i'm really going to be curious to see how my timing is when i get back on stage cuz it's going to be weird <laughs>
1: well i, I have it, to i have to imagine doing the virtual thing too is going to be a, another entirely different beast in, in getting your timing down that's yeah. going to be i
2: mean cuz already a connection over the internet you're trying to pause and so it's like the the timing's going to be really it's really going to be strange i'm i'm looking forward to it in a very morbid sort of way cuz it could be very <laughs> very awful. So yeah. Uh, I don't
0: know. It, when, when is that, that's happening next week? Uh, I don't know when this comes out. This oh push. yes, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, we, we have a, we, it, this is this happening tomorrow. Cause this is coming out on, uh, May, 4th. on May 4th. May
2: 4th. Yes. This, so my show will be May 5th, Tuesday, May 5th on, at the nowhere comedy club.com.
0: Um, so, so uh, you you people will go and buy tickets there. Correct? Yes, go
2: buy tickets. There will be tickets available because there is no seating limit because
0: it's virtual. Um, <laughs> that so is, that, yeah, you available. can you can never sell it out. No, there's a. Uh, I think there's yeah. ten dollars. I think
2: tickets start at ten dollars. Um, there should be tickets left, I would imagine. Um, but yeah, uh, seven thirty p.m. Pacific Coast Time, uh, Tuesday May fifth is the show, and it should be interesting if you just want to watch someone totally possibly eat their own dick. <laughs> uh, in, in the virtual void that could be me so
1: it sounds like fun <laughs> yeah could be
2: could be a lot of fun depends on your definition of fun is but yeah Spe-
0: <laughs> speaking of eating our own dicks um <laughs> <laughs> let's go let's go ahead and uh, move on to the the whole premise of the show here yes is um uh you know during the quarantine here we're in week seven or something like that eight maybe Something um, like that, yeah. god lord um so we've been we've been talking to people about what they've been streaming, uh, like what they've been watching while stuck at home. Because you know now is probably the best time in history to have been stuck at home, uh, because you can just watch pretty much anything in the world. Yeah, uh, is at your fingertips. So uh, uh, we've been uh, asking people what they've been watching, and we're we're giving people recommendations. Um, there's a, there's an arbitrary point system that Cody and I abide by Yes, <laughs> that, um, I recommend a movie. He recommends a movie, um, that that's available to stream. And if you pick, uh, whoever's movie you pick gets a point. And then if you liked that movie, um, that user gets another point. And if you didn't like the movie, the other one gets a point. It's really me. stupid and we're tied. So, yes. and then you're going to tell you're, you're going to give us a recommendation. So, just a just quick quick rundown. What what have you been watching during quarantine? You mentioned you have a a, a kid. Um, has that affected what you've been watching or have you had to you've carved out some time for yourself?
2: A little bit. I've been trying to introduce him to some of the stuff that I grew up on as a kid. Like uh, I showed him The Naked Gun. Um, nice. <laughs> nice. I showed him Airplane, Three Amigos. Ooh. Like like the a lot air- of the comedies. What's that?
0: I was going to say Airplane um it's crazy cuz it's rated PG I believe. Yeah, and there is nudity boobs. in it. There's, there's like, like a there's
2: 2 second boob shot. Yeah. Oh, oh, sorry about that. Yep. No one happened. Uh,
0: I don't know. Anyway, You're sorry.
2: Good. Uh Yeah, the uh there's a 2 second boob shot in uh <laughs> in yeah, Airplane.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's very it's very strange and very out of nowhere. <laughs> Yeah, well, they
2: they think they're going to crash. Everyone loses in the fuel in the in the in the airplane. You see these boobs just fly across screen,
0: (laughs) just jiggling. Yeah, yeah. You know,
1: I I know I think that we may have discussed this, Jared, but I am of the opinion that the I like the Naked Gun more than I like Airplane.
0: Well, airplanes, uh, airplanes, a little more bonkers than the Naked Gun. Yeah, I I mean they're both great, Um, but you got to you you're. The airplane you got to understand was like based on a trend at the time, of the the, disaster movies. Yeah, the airplane, airport disaster Mm -hmm. movies. Uh, The Naked Gun was, I mean, it was a spinoff of Police Squad, which no one really knew existed.
2: The reason they got Police Squad was because of the off the success of Airplane, right? uh, I don't know. I was CBS or I think CBS hired the Zucker brothers to like, no, we want to do something like that on television, and so the Zucker brothers tried. Uh, basically we're like, let's spoof these crime shows, these police shows.
0: Yeah, and they I mean, always they had made... a guest star that died yeah. immediately. And... <laughs> yes. Did you and
1: ever then... watch it, Cody? I've never seen it. I've only seen the Naked Gun movies. I haven't seen the poli- uh, Police There's Squad. There's only six episodes.
0: Yeah, it's br- it's really... I mean, it's the same exact thing. Like and, yeah. Almost the same cast. Leslie yeah, and the, Wilson's. And the, and the but first no naked
2: Gun, The first Naked Gun yeah. movie is pretty much every joke that was used in the six episodes of Police Squad.
0: Ah, They do a great... Um, like, they end the episode with a freeze frame, but it's just the actors stopping. Yeah. <laughs> like, someone will move. Um, yeah, it's it's a lot of... Uh, Airplane, though, is, uh, like, there's, like, a Saturday Night Fever spoof in there for no reason. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. And then uh, um, <laughs> one of my favorite, like, just absurd jokes in the whole movie is uh, when Robert Stack is leaving his house. And he, like, is, is getting ready in the mirror. Yeah, and then mean, it it cuts to that reverse shot, and he like walks through the mirror. Yeah. Yeah. It makes no fucking sense, <laughs> yeah. but it's so in, funny.
2: When he walks in the radio control tower, and he takes off his sunglasses,
0: and he's got sunglasses on. Him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or when, he, when he's kicking everyone's ass like through the airport.
2: Jews <laughs> for Jesus. And he just punches a <laughs> guy in the face. Have
0: you seen Airplane Two?
2: Yes, William okay. Shatner.
0: <laughs> I I I uh, I mean, it's it's all the same jokes. It's a, just yeah. But I, I have a a, a very fond uh, memories of. I think I actually saw that one first when I was a kid because it oh, was really? on HBO or something. But the the one of my favorite jokes is when he's in the hospital and uh, the doctor's like looking at his uh, his chart and he hangs it back and it's like there's a sign that says "Place charts here" and he, he gives him some sort of diagnosis and and. Uh, Ted Stryker asks if it's uh, is he goes is that a good sign and the doctor says it does its job and then he hangs the the chart back up <laughs> under the sign it's just such a subtle tiny little joke yeah and and what's crazy is none of those got not even the Zucker brothers can do that spoof stuff anymore it's hard effectively man.
2: yeah it, I think it was just a time in movie history where it was like it was like that ten year window where they could do that and. Now it's just it's it it seems so corny now to try to do those types of jokes.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, one one thing I I, I think that I because I don't I don't know that Jared knows this but I know this because it's come up on the ramble before in terms of your watching at uh, habits, Eddie, is that uh, you were telling me one time uh, on the show that you uh, you used to be super into film and movies and I think you said you even went to film school at one point, right?
2: Yeah, I got a master's in film production and film school i i, st- I undergrad my undergrad was a major in film study so like i used to be way heavy into film and then i had a kid and my life changed and i got like i just i didn't want to i wanted to go to movies for escapism i didn't want to go to movies for to, to think or feel anymore so I just, <laughs> right. and the world got so crappy the last 10 years i'm just like you know what i don't really i don't i want to go into that movie house and be taken away from my problems not have to think about all of my problems
0: did you ever make any any films
2: um i made a couple i made a couple when in, in grad school i uh i made a film about a my thesis film in grad school was about it's called dan martin the open mic story and oh, so it was a
0: comedy, it was, comedy a, film.
2: it was a dark comedy it was about a comedian that event that was so terrible he went crazy on stage <laughs> And then he started like uh, being successful, but he had already he lost his mind, and it was basically my commentary on what people consider to be genius. Like people just <laughs> this guy so was so you basically wrote
1: the Joker, the Phillips basic- Joker.
2: Yes, it's sort of the Joker. It's like <laughs> this guy was on stage and he was just like he was insane, making no sense. He his he had snapped, uh, but the audience dug it and thought it was like this avant-garde Andy Kaufman type <laughs> stuff, mm-hmm. and he was hailed as this genius. And they eventually, he eventually, uh, they put him in a home. He, no, he ran off into the woods. <laughs> and he's, and then his agent, who was, who was exploiting him, um, got to the point where like, no, I, I'm failing. I need, I, I need my moneymaker back. So he went and captured Dan Martin out of the woods and put him on stage and basically tied him to the stage uh, so he could perform because otherwise he would just run off. So he tied him to the stage and the curtain comes up and everyone's cheering and he's basically in a human, like a male diaper and he's just got a beard and long hair. And he's just like a raving lunatic. And he just eventually hangs himself on stage because he's tied up <laughs> and he dies on stage. And people think he- that's like the big crescendo. That's the big closer. And everyone's going nuts. I mean, it's, it's a very ambitious piece.
0: It wouldn't, it wouldn't be a student film unless right. someone committed suicide. Right. So there was
2: a suicide at the end of it. It's a typical thesis student film. But uh, I thought I had, at the time, I thought I had a good message. But you know, looking back, it's like, oh, I just made another suicide movie.
0: Was it actually shot on film?
2: I did. I shot it on 16 millimeter film. It was right on wow. the cusp of everything going digital. Yeah. Yeah. That... I was like, I don't know if I'll ever get a chance to shoot on film. If I don't do it on this moment and I decided just to go ahead and shoot sixteen millimeter, so I did.
0: That's uh I, I was in uh, I majored in film in college too, and that was yeah. the that was the holy grail is to get to shoot on sixteen millimeter. Um I I know there was a, a production that some friends of mine were involved in that shot and then they never finished it. So there's just
2: It's expensive as not. Like we shot in know, under, Undergrad so we shot on undergrad we shot on eight millimeter. okay yeah grad school i got to shoot on 16 in my thesis project up until then we were just doing uh uh high eight uh videotape Mm -hmm. and we had the option of like do you want to shoot digitally for super cheap or do you want to go ahead and spend the money and shoot film i was like you know what i'm just going to shoot film it cost me what it cost me and it cost me you know like seven or eight grand to shoot film
1: god damn
2: Um, yeah i've been saving it up it was so expensive because you got to shoot it and then you got to sync the sound up to it and then you got to transfer the film to video so at the time so you could mm-hmm. uh, edit the it's thing good. digitally edit it and then i never got it taken back to film though i never got a film real made i have all the raw stock in my closet but i never got like the final edit transferred back to yeah a film reel, yeah that would have been too
0: expensive. we we shot on uh super eight i'm not sorry uh well we shot film super eight but then we shot uh, video yeah. uh super vhs yes that was what we had at my at my college and uh had to edit, like, tape to tape. Dude, it was... Did you do... Uh, did, uh, when was this? You were in grad school for this? I was in grad or, school in or...
2: 97 to 2000.
0: Okay, yeah. So you... Did you have... We had, like, one uh, Avid machine there?
2: We had three D-Vision Ooh. computers. It was called D-Vision. Oh, shit. Uh, and it was, it was the most ghetto thing, and we would they would make us save our projects on a jazz drive, which isn't supposed <laughs> to hold video. <laughs> And nine times out of ten, you'd go in there with your project, and it would just be gone.
0: <laughs> we it had was a nightmare. We had one Avid uh, computer, and we had to um, we had to schedule time yeah, for the so, week.
2: So did we. So did we. God,
0: and, uh, it was a nightmare. We,
2: now I could just do it in my apartment on my laptop. Yeah, <laughs>
0: yeah We had uh, like our, our instructor was a, he was a cool you know hippie dude, and he had a bunch of footage because he was an editor. And he just had us reuse the same footage. We just practiced cutting. You know, we didn't actually, you know, do anything real. But it was like to get music on, you had to like drag a CD to a Word document. Yeah. Like it was a fucked up (laughs) thing.
2: It was a nightmare. (laughs) And and like, I think our professor at school, like our biggest claim to fame from our highest ranking professor was he, I think he directed three episodes of The Fall Guy. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. But it's different Uh, now. I, I got that's chapman university in orange county and i was like the we were like literally the guinea pig grad program um they're like now it's one of the best film schools in the country yeah but when i went through we were
0: literally the guinea pigs yeah my wife went to ut for film um and it's pretty big here in austin but i, I don't yeah. I, I just don't i, I think it's become uh, like we talked about earlier so equalized it doesn't really mean anything no anymore. i don't
2: think i don't there's a couple i mean i took some and I got some editing techniques from my editing class and Mm -hmm. some story structure stuff from a screenwriting class, but you can literally do all that online. Like, you know, you don't need to go to film school to do, to do any of that. Yeah. I mean,
0: I learned, I learned lighting and, uh, you know, yeah. Formats and all that crap. But yeah, it's times have changed. Cody, you were, you were, but a wee lad when all this stuff was (laughs) happening. I was in middle school. Oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, yeah. So to get us back on track here, um, we're gonna we're gonna throw some recommendations at you. Okay. Um, first, let us know what streaming services you have.
2: I have Netflix, Amazon, and Disney Plus.
0: Disney Plus. All right. So, uh, Cody, you want to go first?
1: Yeah, I guess I'll go first. So, um, I, I know from from doing the ramble uh, that uh, that you and and Jerry's will have a, a great affinity for. Uh, old wrestling stuff because it yes. comes up all the time. <laughs> so, uh, so I thought I would, I would bring to the table something that is more modern, uh, with wrestling and recommend a movie that's currently on, uh, Amazon prime called fighting with ready My to family. Rubble. Oh, <laughs> well, ready to yeah. shit. Oh, that was ready a Rumble. Awesome. That was a <laughs> favorite of mine when I was a kid. <laughs> I can't, yeah. Sorry. But no, I, I wish ready to rumble was streaming, but, uh, Uh, No, so this is a a movie called Fighting With My Family. So I I kind of, I was a wrestling fan when I was, uh, you know, like from the ages of like maybe 10 to 13. That's when you're
0: supposed to be a wrestling
1: fan. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And I started when when like WCW. How dare dare you? (laughs) No, I I,
0: I, when I got to meet Hulk Hogan a few years ago, I kind of geeked out, so.
1: (laughs) Yeah, so. I was there, like when, like in the when WCW was on the rise, and then watching throughout the Attitude Era of WWE or WWF at the time, Um, and then I kind of drifted away for a long time. And so when I when I came to this movie, fighting with my family, um, I was unaware of like who it was about, which is Paige, who was Mm -hmm. a WWE Diva Champion. And um, and so it's the true story of of Paige and um, and so Paige was a a wrestler from England who came up through like the the NXT program, which I guess is sort of like the minor leagues for wrestling. It's
2: um, WWE's training ground. Yeah. It's a yeah.
1: Program yeah. yeah, and so um and so the the story was new to me because I hadn't heard it before, but um so the movie is so it's a WWE Films movie, which previously they made like real shitty John Cena like marine movies or whatever the hell that (laughs) was and so this is like a real legitimate actually good movie uh so it's it's written and directed by steven merchant um who you may know as the co-creator of the british office um Mm. he also did hello ladies on uh on hbo Uh really funny guy who's in the movie in a really small role and then it's got florence Pugh in the main role who kind of came like had a huge year this this past year and and which is when the movie came out, so everybody really knows her from midsummer and um and also from little women, but earlier in the year, like back in January, February, she was in this movie um and it's one of those things like I also know just from the ramble and stuff you uh, we talk a lot about sports movies and stuff and just sports in general, and I think what the movie does really well um is is uh get into the uh, like the, the tropes of the sports underdog movie, and I think it it, it accomplishes them uh, those goals really well, and it feels familiar, um, and uh, hits all those really good story beats. Uh, Vince Vaughn plays a trainer in it, and I think he's really great in it. And also because it's written by Stephen Merchant, there's a certain like British sense of humor to it um, that I think is really good. So um, I, I, well, I, the ca- she's Page is British, right? She is, yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So so it kind of tells the story about how she. So basically, her whole entire family uh, is a family of wrestlers, and her parents run like an independent wrestling federation in England. And they basically try out for the WWE. Her and her brother, who's also a wrestler, and it's sort of like like fighting through the ranks to try to make it through NXT into the the main show. So that's my recommendation: fighting with my family from from last year. Okay. All
0: right. So mine is um on a, a, a different take. It's um it's a Disney movie. That, um, you know, you mentioned you have a, um, I'm sorry, you said you have a son? Yeah, a 10-year-old boy. 10-year-old Ten, boy. So here's a movie that the two of you can watch together, um, and you maybe get some uh, kind of early 90s, um, you know, nostalgia from it. It's The Three Musketeers, uh, not the animated version, but the live-action version starring Charlie Sheen, Kiefer Sutherland, <laughs> Chris, O'Con- uh, Chris, Chris O'Donnell, and Oliver Platt. Oh, podcast. Um, <laughs> and to to round it out, the villain is played by Tim Curry and Brilliant. uh and Brilliant. another there's another uh villain played by holy shit, totally forgot she existed, Rebecca De Mornay. Oh, oh Rebecca from, De from uh, uh, of course from uh, Risky Business and yes. um, um uh right before that hand that rocks a cradle. Yeah. Uh so this is um it's currently streaming on Disney Plus. Imagine um, if you kind of so it's very, very clearly inspired by Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves in that you've got trying to jump
2: on that Robin Hood money.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It it even it even has a Brian Adams ballad. Um, Wow. uh, Notably, though, it's a Brian Adams ballad. It's called All for Love, but it also features Rod Stewart and Sting. So, um, wow. and it's called, it's, it's actually a, a good song. It, it, it was a huge hit of course, cause everyone was listening to that stuff at the time, but it's, um, you know, it, it's, it's the same, uh, in the same vein as Robin hood, uh, and sort of young guns, the young guns, uh, yeah. movies in that no one's really trying too hard. <laughs> like the, the, the biggest, uh, like the biggest, uh, thing to, to set the stage is, you know the fact that they've got decent costumes and a decent set, like they're very clearly Americans pretending to, you know, not even trying to <laughs> pretend to be French people. Uh, Tim Curry delivers. I mean, Tim Curry's great in it. Um, well, you know, he yeah. he's always yeah he's always himself. But um, Chris O'Donnell is especially not great, and he's sort of the lead. Oh God! Um, but it's it's a it's an interesting uh, kind of time capsule to me. The to to harken back to when like a, a film like this would actually be made where you'd cast goddamn Charlie Sheen and Kiefer Sutherland as like these French literary heroes. Um, Oliver Platt, I can take or leave, but uh, it, just the fact that Charlie Sheen and Kiefer Sutherland are playing literal like 17th century musketeers, uh, you know, serving King Louis is, is kind of bonkers to me. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's inoffensive. It's, it's kind of uh you know, it's a breezy little, you know, hour and forty minutes long. So, that is my recommendation: The Three Musketeers from nineteen ninety three, starring Charlie Sheen, Kiefer Sutherland, Chris O'Donnell, Oliver Platt.
2: Do you think James Marsden picked up the Chris O'Donnell mantle and carried it forward?
0: <laughs> I was trying to figure out, um,
2: like, if, if you had to, like, if if someone's going to play Chris O'Donnell in the movie, it'd be James Marsden. Right?
0: Aren't yeah. they the same age, basically? I don't know. <laughs> I, we were talking about this say, on the like, ramble, th- though. They
2: both are just—they just bring nothing to everything <laughs> they do. It's amazing.
0: James Marsden keeps like getting when I when I did watch Westworld, I, I gave up. But he just kept getting his ass like just handed to him at every at every turn. I heard he's good that, s- but
1: I haven't watched it.
0: He's he is good, but his character is like a sad sack. Um, yeah. Well, he, know, he, he, he keeps bad on bad.
1: being th- he keeps on being thrown into these CGI movies too, where he's playing the. Oh. exasperated human <laughs> in the CGI yeah, it's movie. it's just
2: not yeah. his wheelhouse.
0: But he's been, uh, like, he still looks great, because he's, I mean, it's been 20 years since the first X-Men movie came out, and I don't yeah. think he looks oh. any different. I know, it makes me feel fucking old. <laughs> I was editing on Super VHS. Um, yeah, uh, I, I I was kind of wondering that myself, because there hasn't been, I, I'm trying to think of a modern actor like the young actor that's been kind of shoved down your throat to, like, in these movies, uh, in movies to, to be popular. Like Chris O'Donnell's one. I think um, Sam Worthington was another. Oh, yeah. Um, well, they,
2: they tried to do it with Josh Hartnett, and we resoundingly said no. <laughs> and he went I away. Thinking,
0: I was just thinking about Josh Hartnett. Yeah. He, he um, went
2: away. He isn't continually to get James Morrison down our throat the whole time.
0: What about, like, Brendan <laughs> Fraser, too? Yeah, I I I I think uh, I like Brendan Fraser in the Mummy. I don't know about anything else. Oh, he's but, great in the Mummy. But uh, like uh, um, you know, we've we've gotten that sort of with Jeremy Renner. He's not really a young guy, but they uh, like the world keeps wanting the Hollywood keeps wanting Jeremy Renner to happen, and I think we've all kind of got. <laughs> we're like,
1: no, he's Hawkeye, like, and that's it. Yeah, God, Sam Worthington is a great comparison too because. Like, like if you take a, if you strip away Avatar, that guy is the most like plain vanilla actor that there is. Like he's he he brings nothing to the table. I feel like
0: he was in something recently that I thought was all right.
1: Man, I just I don't even know because I remember he was on that in that terrible movie Man on the Ledge that was awful. He was um, wasn't he in a Terminator movie?
0: Yeah, he was yes, in the uh, sal- in, uh, Salvation. Yeah. That was that movie where they couldn't they chickened out and they like either him or or Christian Bale shouldn't have been in that movie. Yeah, and they like, oh, should- put them both in. That should have been one character. Like it should have been John Connor or the Terminator. Yeah. Um, they
2: got the uh, CGI young Schwarzenegger.
0: Yeah. Yeah, this, for the first time it happened. Um yeah i don't know it's there hasn't been a, a like a major Chris o'Donnell like chris o'Donnell is is really bad in a <laughs> lot of movies um
1: yeah it's but, almost uh, appropriate that he would play robin too oh right? god those um
2: the sidekick of a queef <laughs>
0: <laughs> those uh uh yeah i think and i think he's supposed to be like like he's like 16 or something in the movies but he's I clearly do. like 25 <laughs> Anyway, um, so uh, those are your two choices. Uh, right. um, don't tell us. Uh, we'll okay. talk about that next episode. Now uh, it's time for you to give us a recommendation.
2: All right, I thought long and hard about this, and I think we actually talked about it on the ramble between me, Jerry, and uh, Cody. And I was gonna, I'm gonna give you guys Transformers: The Animated Movie.
0: Oh <laughs> shit! <laughs> so now, one I of that's I a wanna... that's a Christmas gift. You, <laughs> I, right?
1: I mean. I Yes, I, <laughs> you're I will give gladly th- watch it again. You're, you're getting very two different takes because I've never seen it, and Jared has probably seen it a thousand times. Oh,
0: oh, I mean, I grew up with it. Um, yes. I, I, I don't know how old you are, Eddie, but uh, you're, you're, it seems like you're 45. roughly the same age. Okay, so I'm 41. I'll be 42 right. shortly. Um, this came out when I was in second grade. Yeah. Um so you would have been probably, you know, 5th grade something like that. Yeah, I
2: was this was like right in the height of Transformers for me. Like I was oh, in 4th yeah. grade when it came out and like I was over the moon for Transformers.
0: So I never actually saw it in theaters. Oh. Um so uh I don't I don't know. I mean I was my parents were not going to go sit through a Transformers <laughs> movie with me. Anyway, so um I remember hearing from my friends and you'll know what I'm talking about, that there were curse words in it.
2: Yes, there's a I think they dropped the S bomb.
0: The S bomb and then a damn it. Yeah. Uh but the S bomb was the big one.
2: Yeah, S bomb uh, was early on too. It was like first twenty minutes of the movie, I think we get an s bomb. Yeah. And yeah.
0: Um, so I was like, Oh, you know, yeah. uh, as a as an eight <laughs> year old real. would have been. <laughs> but then uh, when it when it was released to video, they cut that part out. Yeah. And lame. I knew it existed and uh it wasn't until i was a senior in high school that um like the internet kind of became a thing and a friend of mine told me that you could buy the vhs the canadian version of the movie (laughs) from this plate it was called videoflix.com and it was uncensored so i ordered it and holy shit for the first time i heard spike say shit shit and man i was (laughs) so stoked and I mean, I I think since I bought that movie, since I bought that VHS, I've had like four different versions uh, across DVDs and. Um,
2: yeah, I got a, I got a Blu-ray version.
0: I do too. Yeah. That was the last uh, version I bought. Yeah, I, my parents actually tracked down a copy of the film of the video for me when I was like, I think I turned like 15 or 16. Nice and they got that for a birthday present for me. But yeah, it was I mean, that's a huge huge part of my childhood and
2: oh, huge. And the effect it had on that movie alone, just the stuff that happens in that movie that I was not expecting to happen in that movie. Like
0: Yeah, I mean, there's, there's I had it's, to it's,
2: deal with a lot of things I wasn't trying I wasn't ready to deal with. <laughs> it's
0: so dark for yes. a like like and like a, a grim dark, not just the like the Pixar kind of, you know, melancholy. It's fucking like No, it's bleak. There's some yeah. bleak shit going Co- on. Cody, anyways. you're in. You're in for a treat. Yeah, shit, um, save
1: it. Save it for the next episode. You guys are. <laughs> you guys are reliving your trauma on here. We still have another episode to go.
0: But uh, yeah, uh, that's um, God. Great pick, Eddie. Thank you. Oh, thanks. Thank you. Um, <laughs> I'm eager for Cody to see this because he probably would never have watched it if it hadn't been. No, brought I, up I was here.
2: tempted to pick Willow, but I didn't <laughs> want to do that. To oh me. shit! I don't want it under false pretense.
1: Yeah, there's that. a Jared. There is a long-standing, years now standing, um, uh, active defiance, I guess, at this point on my part of <laughs> that I have not seen the movie Willow and uh, refuses and it, and refuses it was refuses to watch it. It, it. it was it was something where I had not seen it prior to like when we were doing the ramble, and then Jerry came here to town, and Jerry and I went to a used DVD store. And in fact, we've he found a copy of Willow on Blu ray and, and it was out of print at the time and super rare and it was super cheap at, at CD Exchange, Jared. And, oh. um, and so, uh, and so, uh, we took it back and, uh, and Jerry was like, Hey, do you want to hang on to this and, and, and watch it and then you can just ship it back to me? I'm like, Yeah, sure. No problem. And it never s- did. It sat on my shelf for a fucking year and a I year. never watched it. <laughs> and so finally, when Jerry came back to San Antonio to perform a year later, I, I handed him the Blu Ray, and I'm like, "Sorry, man, I, I didn't, I didn't watch it." Unbelievable.
0: <laughs> so it's not a. I wouldn't call it a good movie. Unbelievable. Val Kilmer's uh,
1: performance still holds
0: up. Uh, yeah, I mean Kilmer's good. It's just it, it has all the trappings of like something that should be like a beloved classic, but it just has no like cultural footprint at all. It's very. It's a very strange piece of work because it's like a. I think is it like the first? Well, if Howard the Duck was f- the first big po- uh, post Star Wars things for Lucas, but I think this was the second one.
2: Yeah, I think it goes that order. I think it was Howard the Duck, then Willow.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's just yeah. I, I I I get it. I mean, it it it's a Ron Howard movie, and it's yeah, yeah. I I I I, I can see why Cody, you're not eager to watch it, but yes.
2: But now with but it's, it's, it now he's just actively. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, I mean, it's so it's the, easy
0: yeah. to. I think it is on. It's got to be on Disney Plus. Oh, it is. It is. Yeah. That doesn't See? change anything. <laughs> it's it's still not going to happen. I'm I could have forced
2: him. I could have done it.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. God. No, oh, we should have pulled that trigger. I thought long and hard. <laughs> maybe, uh, maybe we'll, we'll, I'll uh, rig some uh, future episode for that. Yes.
1: I mean, it's not. I mean, I will sit that episode out. I will not partake in that. (laughs) See what I mean? He's actively defying it.
0: (laughs) We're probably gonna. Someday you're gonna like visit Cody's house, and you're gonna turn on Disney Plus, and it's gonna say continue watching Willow, (laughs) and it'll say one minute in, and I tap out. He didn't get to the credits, man. Come on. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Okay, so uh, we will watch Transformers the movie. Perfect. Um, I'll. you know, watch it for the third time. No, you can just week. keep it in your Blu-ray player and hit play, Jared. So you don't have to do. Anything I actually else. have a digital copy because the Blu-ray came with a digital copy. So mm, uh, okay, nice. Um, and then uh, uh, Eddie, you'll pick between the two of ours. Yes. Um, so uh, let's before we wrap this up, let's go ahead and get uh, your plugs, Eddie. Again, you've got a uh, virtual. Are you calling it virtual stand-up show? I
2: guess it's virtual stand. It's called. It's at the Nowhere Comedy Club uh, uh, Tuesday. May fifth at seven thirty PM. You go to NowhereComedyClub.com for tickets. Uh, they actually have a show basically every night of the week throughout May. Uh, there's been a lot of good comics on there. I think Greg Proops is going to be on there soon. There's going to be a lot of really good comedians who are doing shows on there. So yeah, uh, my, I have the, my night is.
1: I have the page up right now. There's Greg Proops, uh, Alonzo Bowden, Taylor Williamson, lots of yeah. So there's folks. a lot of big been names glee. up there and me.
2: So there's that. <laughs> and is so
0: that, so is... I'm sorry, is that a, is that a, um, is that an actual club or is it just a, a or was it no, the, something created uh, on uh,
2: Two comedians, Steve Hofstetter and Ben Glebe, sort of jumped at this when I saw where everything was going and knew comics were going to be out of work looking for clubs to work. And they created this virtual, it's basically on, it's going to be on Zoom. But it's okay. uh, you know you you pay ten dollars for a ticket uh, and you get you get to go into the Zoom room and like I sat in on one show and watched a show and you can hear everybody laughing the audience they all have their microphones on so you hear you hear laughter coming back from the audience the show I sat on was had like forty people in it um, I know I think Brad Williams did a show last weekend he had three hundred people so wow. it's it's supposed to it feels somewhat like a real club it's just you're not you're performing in your living room in your boxer shorts so so
0: are you gonna are you gonna have um you know any kind of like are you, are you gonna hold a mic i mean are you gonna try to get the feel back or are you just gonna talk into your computer screen
2: yeah uh, i'm gonna i'm gonna have a mic i have it plugged into my computer i'm gonna have my laptop i know like probably up on a stool or something i'm gonna have maybe probably hang a curtain behind me i'm gonna try to give it as much of a feel for a comedy club as possible
1: that's cool i like that. to have a mic yeah
2: so yeah, it will be as close as I can get it to, if, if anything, for my own comfort, so I feel more in my element, you know.
0: Right. So that's uh, that's going to be tomorrow. Tomorrow, uh, May fifth, seven thirty p.m. Pacific time. So yes, Pacific time, seven thirty Pacific time. So if you're um, in the Central Time Zone, like we are, that's nine thirty. You could figure it out. You've got that clock on Ten your smart. Buy a
2: ticket. Help out a comic.
0: Cool. Sounds very cool. Um, also, um, you can listen to uh, both Eddie and Cody on The Ramble. Yes, with, we uh, drop
2: a new one. Jerry Rocha, we drop one every Wednesday, uh, wherever you get
0: your podcasts. And uh, and uh, your radio shows... Uh, um, uh, the Ralph
2: Report with Ralph Garman is on Patreon.com, and that's a subscription-based podcast service. That's gotcha. Three, $3 a month for a daily show. So it's like 15 cents a day works out to be. Um, and then my other one is uh, Swings and Misses, and that's on Radio.com, and we're furloughed until June 1st, but we're put, still putting up shows under the guise of a uh, Swing Break. We're doing- what's the
0: what's the premise of the show?
2: Uh, it's sort of a sports entertainment show. It's uh, a husband and wife, uh, Cody Decker and Jen Sturger, and then I'm like the third wheel, and he was a former professional baseball player, so we okay. talk sports, but we do a lot of entertainment news, and it's really... It's it's the sports show for the fan, for the really non-sports fan. It's kind of, we, in- we touch on some sports stuff, but we make it fun and we talk about other stuff. And
1: you guys have had great guests on. Oh, in we the- had a lot.
2: We had, I've had Ryan Johnson. We've had Chris Jericho. We've had Greg rundberg We've had... Uh, Wow. dr uh, what's the fucking doctor from loveline <laughs> dr dr, Drew. dr. Drew. Ooh, dr. that's a, Drew. That, that's a
0: that's a hot potato right now <laughs> yeah
2: I know right this was before all that um we've had a ton of Mick Foley we've had um, Wow you know Cody Rhodes we've had a ton of great a lot of great guests on that show very cool I mean, and you can find those podcasts on swings and misses on iTunes you can go back and listen to our, our Ryan Johnson interview and all that stuff it's really good
0: is this um, post uh, is this like post Knives Out, or is it pre-Knives uh, this Out? This was
2: right uh, as Knives Out was... Yeah, this was just right after Knives Out came out, which I nice. loved. That was a great film. Yeah. Um, cool. Yeah, he's, he's a great interview, too. He's a great yeah, he
0: seems Yeah, like, uh, he seems like he's very easy to talk to. Very easy.
2: One of the easiest interviews I've ever done, and just thoroughly enjoyed it. And he was great talking Star Wars with, and great talking just movie making with in general.
0: I'd love to someday I'd love for him to be able to tell the whole story of what happened with Star Wars.
2: Yeah, we got some, but we didn't get everything we wanted to get out of him because there's some stuff he still can't talk about because he's still, you know, who knows if he's working with Disney again. But like there was it was a good interview and just to see his perspective on it coming from he is a true Star Wars fan and that's just the way he saw Star Wars going. That's what he saw Luke Luke's character was going to be from the end of Return of the Jedi all the way through. He saw that 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 was really how he believed Luke would behave. And after talking with him, you're like, you know what? I totally I liked it anyway, but like you totally get why he went the way he went.
0: Wow, that's cool. It's very, I'm gonna have to listen to it. Very interesting.
2: Very interesting review. Yeah.
0: Cool. Um so also you can listen to uh, Cody and I's other podcasts, the uh, our flagship, the Cinesnob podcast. We are currently reviewing video on demand films as movie theaters are shuttered. Um well, they're technically allowed to reopen here in Texas. <laughs> Hell but- yeah. There's nothing. They're they're not showing any. They're showing Selena, (laughs) right in San Antonio. Uh, Yeah, as if Selena
2: to own the libs,
0: guys. (laughs) (laughs) As if everyone in San Antonio hasn't seen Selena yet.
2: Go own them libs.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Get back to work. Watch Selena. Um, Yeah. So uh, that's the Cinestop podcast uh, available wherever you get your podcast. We also have re MCU, where we are rewatching the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Uh, and kind of reevaluating them, see how they go. Um, our latest episode with uh, Iron Man three. Um, who knows if it's been released when this thing's coming out? Hopefully, um, yeah. Uh, that we actually talked to uh, Jerry Rocha joined us for that yeah. episode because he's a huge uh, Shane Black fan
1: and a fan of this movie. So he had an interesting perspective that I hadn't considered. There's there's also some rumblings that that Eddie. Is perhaps a Thor dark world apologist yeah. as well. I was oh, for real. oh shit. i was
2: I was gonna fall in that sword for everybody. But...
0: <laughs> wow, man, this is uh, an embarrassment of riches <laughs> coming from the ramble <laughs> podcast realm into the to the shittiest Marvel movies. Hey <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, if, so if you want to reach us, you can email us at podcast at Find us on Twitter at synisnob, Facebook synestnob
1: critic. Uh, anything else before we wrap this thing up, fellas?
0: No, that was fun.
1: Yeah, All right. Yeah, and if you uh, if you like this show and you enjoyed what you heard and you uh, and you have like ten seconds to spare, if you can leave us a five star rating and a positive text review on our Apple Podcast page, help us uh, get a greater audience and help people find us a little bit more. Uh, we would be uh, greatly appreciative of that.
0: All right. On that note, I'm Jared Kingery
1: and I am Cody Viafano.